You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tulks Aruturi. This is episode 27. Thank you for tuning in to the Leaving Inside Out podcast, where we believe everyone is carrying precious cargo, and what you do with yours is up to you. Episode 27 is Break the Shell, Revealing Your Hidden Gems. Hey, how are you doing? It's been a while, and I missed you during my four-week break, but I really enjoyed the time off as it was much needed. One must practice what one preaches. So it would be remiss of me to talk about looking after your spirit, soul and body while I was secretly burning out. What have you been up to? I hope and pray that you and your family are well and that you haven't lost the zeal to keep pressing towards your goals. My family have been well, thank God. Son number one's facial hair has finally joined, i.e. moustache and the little goatee he has, fuzz that he has, (laughs) have come together, which means he almost officially has a beard. My precious baby. Son number two and three are doing great. We have all been having debates about government and politics, of course, the U.S. election taking center stage. And while I don't agree with all of their views, I am chuffed that my boys have opinions of their own and that their principles guide their views. Meanwhile, son four, he is currently obsessing over his height as it relates to mine as well as his strength. He can now twist my arm when we're play fighting and he's able to bring me to the point of threatening him with punishment (laughs) so I can walk away with my dignity somewhat intact. I closed my boutique for two weeks to renovate it, reopened for two or three days and promptly shut down again as the UK entered into a second lockdown. How have you found it this time? If you're here in the UK, how have you found lockdown 2.0? I find this different from the first. I guess we gather experience or we get better with experience. The first time we experienced lockdown, it was against the backdrop of the uncertainty of this strange disease the Chinese virus, as the orange man called it. There was also a shortage of flour, pasta, toilet roll, and our collective minds were on the household economy, our health, our jobs, all of that important stuff. This time, however, we still have those things on our minds, but the edge has been taken off. Many have become used to living with uncertainty and we've been forced to take each day as it comes, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm in awe of how adaptable we are as humans, though. You know, when it all started in 
think it was March, January, February, March this year. We thought it was a two or three month affair, didn't we? And here we are leaving and dealing with this new shift every single day, like it's normal. Something else happened to me while I was gone. <laughs> what did I tell you about having the right people in your circle? Hmm? Susie put me on couch to 5K. Listen, I'm on a buzz because for the past six or seven weeks, I have been running three to four times a week. I even invested in a treadmill so that the rain and the cold wouldn't hold me back. That's usually my excuse. Couch to 5K is a running app, or maybe we should call it a fitness app. And it takes you from being a couch potato to running five kilometers nonstop in nine weeks. And it works. I would never rave about something I don't believe in. There's even a large Facebook group where participants tell their stories and their experiences. I read one the other day where this woman has been antidepressants for the past five years, but she came off it because of the effects of running regularly. This morning, I ran 25 minutes nonstop. That does not sound like a lot, but for me, knowing where I came from, that's huge. So I've left the link to the app in the show notes and I implore you, especially if you've been struggling to exercise consistently, I would certainly recommend that you download it and go with it. It's a very easy to follow, but, you know, comes with huge, huge benefits and results. So this past week, I've been thinking a lot about uniqueness. You know how I get these buzzwords, right? In the last maybe two, three weeks or so, the buzz has been all about our individuality as humans. And the analogy that I am being schooled with has been fruit bearing trees. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about producing much fruit. Actually, there are several references to trees in the Bible. It was the fig tree that Jesus cursed because it didn't bear fruit. And in another verse, he describes himself as the true vine. The most prominent feature of a tree is that it bears after its own kind. An orange tree produces oranges unless some intervention has occurred like grafting or genetic engineering. In the natural sense of the word, or in the natural sense of this principle of reaping what you sow, an orange seed will grow into an orange tree and will bear oranges. You also have a seed that was planted in you before you arrived on earth. I prefer to say that there was an objective or God had an objective and then he formed you around it. And like the tree, you go on to flourish. Again, like the tree, what you produce is exclusive to you. You cannot bear fruit of a seed that you're not carrying within you. You cannot propagate whatever it is you feel like because you actually have a seed that you have to grow from. This means rubbernecking to see what others are doing so you can copy them is futile because they have a different mandate from you. So the more I thought about it, the more it blew my mind that God made just 
one version of each of us, literally. I don't know how many people have existed from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden. Still, whatever gazillion the number is, there has never been anyone like you. And if the human race continues for a thousand years and every year a trillion people are born, (laughs) this deal will never be anyone like you. I think that's amazing. That is just something. Your DNA proves this to be true. And that's just the physical side of you. So in addition to there being no one exactly like you physically, no one thinks the way you do and no one feels the way you do. The ideas you have are truly exceptional. When I attend speaking engagements, often people will come to me at the end to share a business idea that they've been incubating. I cannot count the number of times that someone says they had an idea and then somebody else ran with it and that person seems to be doing well. And then they go on to express their regret at what they consider to be a missed opportunity because now there's no point in following through with the intention they had previously since someone else has done it. Here's the thing. No one can replicate your concept. They can copy what they see, but they can't reproduce the stamp that your personality places on it. In other words, the genetic makeup of a business is always going to be distinctive. There's a difference between McDonald's and Burger King. They are both fast food restaurants. They both serve fries that are made from potatoes. They have a similar menu of burgers. And they even share similar brand colors of orange or yellow and red, whatever it is. Yet you can tell which fries are which with your eyes closed. I find that One major challenge we have to bearing fruit from the seeds that God planted in us is that we look for safety in numbers. If other people are doing it, I'm going to do it too. Then there is a secret thought that goes along with it, which is that if the idea fails, we all die together, we go down together, and I wouldn't be alone. Another hang-up we have is doubting the validity of our own ideas. We doubt that we're able, and this is how it shows up. If it was such a good idea, why aren't all the big boys doing it? Well, the reason they're not doing it is because their seed is different from yours. In the first case, we are guilty of making judgment calls based on the external. We look for people in the same boat as us, and that brings us a level of comfort. In the second scenario, it is our emotions that make the call for us. We rely on how we feel and we lean on feelings to drive our decision making. I don't feel it's going to work out, therefore I'm not going to do it. I don't feel safe because not many people are doing it, therefore I'm not going to do it. Or I don't feel safe because 
somebody else, one other person is doing it and they're going to become more successful as I am. I mean, if you think of the number of biases and questions and doubts and fears that come into play just to help us make a decision when we rely on our emotions, you will realize that it is futile to rely on emotions for decision making and it's futile to rely on the physical either for decision making. I read a post on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. Actually, I saw the headline, which was sufficient for me to know the gist of the article. And the headline read, this all black female team just won the national championship, but the news didn't get picked up by the mainstream media. I agree that in my community, we don't always get the recognition and the celebration that's due to us. And my first thought was, how about we focus on achievement and not the recognition of achievement? Because whether you're celebrated or not, you are who you are. You still carry a gift. You still are as unique as anyone possibly can. I believe that people not recognizing or celebrating you when you have earned it has zero effect on the value of what you have achieved. The second thought I had was about the word mainstream. Most likely, the news was picked up by their local paper, or at the very least, it made it into the school's newsletter, but it did not make it into the mainstream media. And we consider mainstream to be way more valuable than local. But what exactly is the unit of measurement? I'm not saying we should shy away from publicity or that we shouldn't go after it. By all means do. Media exposure can give your audience confidence in what you're offering. It also increases the number of people that your product or service is available to. I just don't want you to think that you have to be validated, recognized, or publicly celebrated to see your gift as genuine. It's even worse if you believe that the higher up the audience or the higher up the publication, in the case of publicity, the more your gift increases in value because you will find yourself trapped in a never-ending circle, chasing the limelight instead of your harvest. You are who you are, with or without the recognition of others. And if no one celebrates you, the value of your gift does not diminish. Let's not forget that good PR and deep pockets can get you into the top publications anyway. Wasn't it Forbes that took out an issue, just a whole issue, to expose Kylie Jenner for lying about her billionaire status? They showed us how easy it is for people to inflate their perceived worth. Now, those who do life from the outside will draw a different conclusion. They'd say that it was the exposure that resulted in your success when really it was your dedication and hard work that led to the acclaim that you received. 
Such people who live on the outside begin to chase after some type of recognition. One of the most profound statements I heard this year on a business course was that your brand should attract as well as repel others. The right people should be drawn to you. The wrong people should be repelled by you. And this thought is in sharp contrast to the one that I ran my business with years ago. Back then, I held on to my customers for dear life. I would scan my MailChimp stats and every time someone unsubscribed, I took it personally. (laughs) I wanted to serve everyone. I couldn't understand why people would move away from me, why people will unsubscribe from my business newsletters. Why would anyone do that when I sell the most beautiful products? And even when I opened my boutique, passersby will stop and look through the window and, you know, they'll comment or they'll point or if they're with somebody else, I'd head to the door and almost drag them in because I couldn't understand why anyone at all would see such a gorgeous shop and walk on by. Before long, I had a pep talk with myself. I'm sure you do that too. Listen, ma'am, we need to talk. Is everyone that walks on by pregnant? Uh, no. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So how about we see them as message carriers? They're off to tell their pregnant friends that there is an amazing baby shop on the King's Road. And they are carrying your message and they're spreading it around and they're telling everyone about this beautiful shop. And that helped me let them go. Everyone is not your customer. Unless, of course, you're selling bread and milk or toilet paper. (laughs) The authentic lifestyle allows your uniqueness to overflow so that you will attract those who belong in your life. And by that, I mean platonic, romantic, or business relationships, or even people in a mentorship capacity. I told you about how I met my mentor. I think that was in episode three or four. It was smack in the middle of my authenticity journey. And with the help of some red wine, thank you very much. I snapped up the courage to demand that this gentleman mentor me, and he did, and he's still very much in my life today. I needed to be myself, and he recognized that I was carrying something precious that he could work with. Here's the thing. You are carrying hidden gems, and the farther along you travel on your path, the more those gems appreciate in value. I once read a quote by a stock market trader. It said, A good trader celebrates when he makes a sale. A great trader doesn't. He has already moved on. I believe we must stop to celebrate our wins, but we shouldn't get stuck building a monument and worse, worshipping at that place. At the time you are being recognized or celebrated either by you or by others, what you're carrying in that moment is even more valuable than what they're celebrating you for. And nobody knows. You see, the invisible, the unseen, 
is superior to the seen. Because what is seen, what we can see and touch and look at and talk about is past tense. What is only imagined is yet to be seen. And no matter how successful you are today, there is more inside you. And it makes no difference how inadequate you feel because your feelings don't diminish the value of your gems. No one knows what you're carrying, but rest assured, you are packing. (laughs) That's what matters. So in past episodes, I've talked about curating your environment. This is the practice of regularly weeding your space and nurturing the seed so that its growth is supported optimally. If you don't create a healthy environment, your precious cargo will remain hidden. Ever met people who have been talking about a dream and a plan for the past 10 years? Hidden gems. How about those who have not evolved in any shape or form since you've known them? I guarantee you, That person is squeezing their treasures in a box and sitting tight on it, perhaps due to the fear of the unknown, because people are afraid of what life will look like outside of what they've been used to. We all are. India Ari, the phenomenal songstress, songwriter, performer, tells the story of when she was performing in South Africa or perhaps attending an event and she met Cecilia Tyson, famous, famous actress. In conversation, Cecilia spoke to her very sternly. Girl, you've got to break your shell and fly. Miss Tyson could see that India was holding herself back from evolving. And many of us do that. We build crates and containers using ideologies, mindsets, imaginations, fears, false beliefs, and we stay inside that shell, content to dream about possibilities, talk about one day achieving them, but never actually going for them. India Ari went on to pen a song titled Break the Shell, and it has these words as the chorus. Child It's time to break the shell. Life's gonna hurt, but it's meant to be felt. You can't touch the sky from inside yourself. You cannot fly until you break the shell. So what about you? What have you been incubating with the hope that one day it will manifest? While I was on my podcast sabbatical, I had a startling realization that there is a possibility I won't attain all that God has for me. I'm not saying that it is likely I wouldn't attain it. I'm not saying that I have a fear of non-achievement. I'm just saying it is a very real possibility. And here's the thing. It is also a real possibility for you. Some Christians say you can't fail because his promises to you are yes and amen. Well, I have some news. It is possible to fail. Your life carries the potential for both success and failure in equal measure because God has done his part 
by giving you precious gems and the ability to use them. He's given you a sound mind with which you can plan and strategize and put things into place. All that's left for you to do is use it. Use what you've got. That's all. India Ari ends her song with, Do with these words what you will. It's time for us to be real. You'll be stuck in the ground until you finally break the shell. If you don't take anything away from our conversation today, know this. You are carrying precious cargo and it is up to you what you do with it. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. I hope you've been living from the inside out. Till next time, have a good one.